Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a deck. Lights up. 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 A podcast by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. Hi, my name is Gary Posey. I am from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'm playing the role of Terrence. Hi, I'm Elise Mayfield. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm playing the role of Ling Ling. Hello, my name is Eric Wyatt. I'm also from Chattanooga, and I'm playing the role of Zookeeper. Lights up on the Panda Palace. Ling Ling, the panda, stares transfixed at Terrence, a penguin. There's a very awkward silence. Terrence, a penguin, breaks the silence. I said, can you help me? I mean, if you're too busy, I understand. Are are you okay, sir? Ma'am. Oh, I don't know which. Are you okay? I don't mean to be rude, but you're kind of scaring me. A lot. A little bit. You're, You're not saying anything. You're just... Staring at me. Are you okay? What? 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 What are you? Like, physically. What are you? I know. I'm kind of lost. You're not supposed to be here. What are you? Because you're small. Mm -hmm. And you're not Charlie's kid who is supposed to be small, but they still haven't brought him out from the wherever the heck it is they let us birth, so you can't be him, and he can't be you, unless they did bring out Charlie's kid, then you could be him, and he could be you. Are you Charlie's kid? No. Are you sure? Because if you were just born, you might not be sure. No. My father's name is Terrence. You're sure? Yes. What if he was lying to you? What? Parents lie to their kids all the time. For instance, one time I was eating this stick because we ran out of bamboo shoots just to try it. Like, I wasn't being weird or anything. I just wanted to try it. But I was trying it, and my dad told me not to try it because he said, Sticks are not healthy. And we all know that that was a lie because sticks taste great and are actually super helpful for digestion. What? So they could be lying to you. I don't think they were. Mm. So you're not Charlie's kid? No. Then what are you? I'm... Because you don't look like a panda. I mean, you sort of do, but you don't. Your fur is weird. You look different. Like a cub, but different. I'm a penguin. A what? I'm a penguin. A what? Oh, clearly you've never seen one before. I have not. Sorry. Why are you sorry? I don't know. Have you ever seen a panda before? What? Have you ever seen a panda before? Huh. I have not. Well? What? Well? Well, what? Is it everything you've ever dreamed of? Is it more? I've never dreamed of meeting anybody. Hmm. That's sad. Is it? Did you say you were lost? Oh, yeah. Okay, sort of. Well, I guess. 
I don't know. You don't know? Nope. Do you know where you are? Well, Are you uh, aware you are where you are? What? Do you know where you are? No, I, I do not. No? No. Wait, you don't know or you don't know? What? Like no K-N-O-W or no N-O. No, I don't know. Neither do I. I don't know where I am. I know. You know? Know what? No. Wait, what? If you don't know where you are, you're probably lost. Unless you don't know where you are metaphorically, but then I suppose you're metaphorically lost. Do you know where you are metaphorically? Uh... You're right. It's probably a loaded question. Let's move past that. You do not know where you are physically, correct? No. No, that's not correct? No, that is correct. I do not know where I am. In oh no? Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know where you're trying to get to, but I can tell you where you are. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. Pangoon, to Panda Palace. I'm a penguin. Is that not what I said? Just call me Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that your dad's name? Oh, I know. Well, it's my name, too. Oh, I bet there's a story there. Uh, yes. But we don't have time to get into that. Yeah, shoots. Okay. Hi, Terrence. My name's Ling Ling. Ling Ling? Oh, yes, I know. It's like redonkulously racist. I was born in Philadelphia. Never even been to Asia. Like, I literally don't even know where it is. You can call me Candace. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> Hi, Candace. Hey, Terrence. So? So? Where are you trying to get to? I've never left the palace, so again, I don't know where anything else is, but I am happy to help. Well, I live near the seals. Do you know where they are? I do not. What's a seal? Um, well, that's okay. Never mind. I'll I'll just keep wandering around. No, 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 whoa, 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 no, 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 no need. Slow your roll there, T-Doodle. We can figure this out. T-Doodle? Yeah. I, I was trying something. It did not work. Okay. How did you get lost? What happened? Um, uh, well, nothing. Now, that's why I'm confused. Okay, you know the door that's, like, usually closed? Locked. Yep, we got those. Okay, it just wasn't. It was open. So I walked out. A lot of us did, and we'd just been wandering around, and you know, no one stopped us. Well, and I guess, I, I mean, you know, I kind of lost track of everyone else, you know? Wow. Yeah, so... So I should probably keep looking for them, I guess. Wait! What's it like? What? The outside. What's it like? Is it fun? Is it everything you've ever dreamed? Well, yeah, it's interesting. Wow. 
That is so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is kind of cool. I guess. That is so cool, Terrence. I mean, it's wild. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) You're like the coolest penguin I have ever met. Uh, I feel overwhelmed, you know? I do not. Oh, there's so much stimuli, you know? I do. Hey, are any of them out there? The food people? No, no, the other ones, the, the window people. Oh. No. I didn't see any of them. That's so weird. What happened to all of them? I haven't, like, seen any of them. Yeah, me neither. Something must have happened. What do you think happened? I don't know. Well, something must have happened. It's different around here without them. It is. (laughs) Hey, maybe they're lost, too. Metaphorically? Oh, I don't know. You're right. Probably a loaded question. Well, I should probably keep looking for my friends. Ah, shoots. Okay, yeah, I understand. I'm sorry I couldn't be more helpful, Terrence. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not your fault. If you keep heading down that hall there, it'll take you back to the entrance. Oh, perfect. Sassy. Thanks. Now that was, that's helpful. I like you, Terrence. You're cool. Thanks. I think you're pretty cool, too, Candace. Wanna fuck? Huh? Because, like, if you can find a way in here, I am, like, totally down. I am so bored. Um, uh, well, um, uh, another time. Uh, what? Okay, cool. Just let me know. We don't have to either. It was just an idea. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I should go now. (laughs) You should come back. What? If your door ever gets left open again, you know, come say hi. You're the window people now. (laughs) I I guess I am. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do that. Actually, uh, could I ask one thing? Enter the zookeeper. <gasps> Mr. Flippers, there you are. Oh, oh, here's the food person. Did he call you Mr. Flippers? I found him, Jenna. What is it with the casual racism in this place? Picking up Terrence, a penguin, and starting to exit. Did you enjoy your walk, little hey, hey. bunny? Wandered off a little too oh, far, oh, didn't you? Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I have to go now. <laughs> That's okay. See you around, Terrence. Bye, Candace. Uh, it was really nice to meet you. You too. Wow. Penguins are cool. (laughs) Well, that was fun. (laughs) What to do now? 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 Journal! Ling Ling crosses to her favorite tree, climbs it. Then Ling Ling reaches into a hole in the tree and pulls out a tape recorder. Activity. Day 1602. Something interesting happened today. Met a penguin named Terence. He was lost. Possibly metaphorically. But he was cool. Here is a list of reasons why. Lights fade. 
everybody. It's Gary, the producer for Lights Up, Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast, and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So do like we did. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, or anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started and create your podcast. So hello and welcome back to another episode of Lights Up. We are in season two. We are so thrilled to be here. Once again, as most of you know, Christy Gallo is taking some time off this season while she is hatching her little baby twins. And so I am lucky enough to be joined by some guest co-hosts this season. We are welcoming back Shannon for this episode. Say hello, Shannon. Hi, everybody. And we just introduce yourself if anyone didn't catch your previous episodes, let, a, let everybody know a little bit about you. Uh, so my name is Shannon, and I graduated from Kansas State University with a master's in theater, and I am currently serving as vice president on a board of directors for a community theater in Oklahoma. Awesome. We're so happy to have you here, Shannon. And Shannon and I are equally excited to have Daniel Prilliman here with us, the playwright of Black and White and Red All Over, which you just heard. Uh, welcome, Daniel. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're going to dive right in. We'd love to talk to you about uh, your journey as a playwright and the actual play itself and your process. Um, but I think a question that both Shannon and I had was about the title of the play. Um, obviously, for most of us, Black and White was pretty obvious with our penguin and our panda character. Um, what for you was the red in this play and how did you stumble on this title? Um, the, so the title came about honestly pretty, um, if I, I guess I don't know the origin of it, but you've all heard the, perhaps the joke of what's, what is black, white, and red all over. And the punchline being a penguin with a sunburn. Um, and that is where the title that's where the title came from. Uh, it was just thinking of that once I knew I was going to have a penguin and a panda both in the play. Um, the Since the play is more sort of a... I don't know if you'd go so far as to call it a meet-cute, but it is simply more of the the slice of life of penguin-panda first contact. It, it seems like a cute uh, way to sort of unify the both of them. It did remind Dana and I about the penguins at the zoo during COVID that were able to like walk around. And um, was that part of your inspiration or was there something else that 
that kind of inspired the story? Uh, it was 100% the inspiration for the story. Uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, a large point of it, I think, because this I wrote this back in, uh, I guess, what we would consider at this point early pandemic days, and you know, where a lot of artists, period, were struggling with how do, how do we react to what's going on in the world with our art, and you know, I. Per, I personally didn't want to sort of, I guess, write a COVID play, for lack of a, a better phrase. Um, it was, uh, but I had seen like the article, and I'm I'm a big fan of trying to, I guess, write about things or address them without addressing them directly. Uh, writing has a very therapeutic aspect to it in a way as well. So this was just, you know, what came out in my way of talking about. Uh, COVID was these two zoo animals addressing, you know, nobody's been here in a while. Weird, huh? Yeah, it was really, I think that comes across quite clearly because Shannon and I both, um, we were discussing the play earlier and we both were like, it reminded me of those news store articles and stories, you know, like, I think that like little bits of joy, right? That we were seeing, oh, like, look, at least the penguins are interacting. At least um, they're having a good deeper, time. Like... <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was like someone, someone is seeing something new, right? Um, and I think when you go a little deeper, it was pretty clear to, to both of us that, um, you were talking a little bit about the human condition and dealing with this pandemic through the lens of animals. Um, and I'm always fascinated by playwrights who choose to, um, create full characters out of animals. Um, so was that, and that was part of your way of dealing with that and and will you talk a little bit about why you specifically chose to dive in and, and fully just go with with our talking animal characters yeah um, you know it's not something that I, I i'm trying to think back and if this is my first brush with you know talking animals um because you know we all uh you know we all grow up with disney and pixar so we're uh, talking animals are never you know they're never actually something that far away from our minds, especially in movies and stories, because they're just, they're pretty much humans who just happen to, you know, not look like humans. So I think there's, I don't know if there was a, like a specific decision to, you know, like, I know they're going to be animals that is imperative towards what's happening. But I think there's an, when you, when you are dealing with animals, um, especially like the ones in the play, um, you're able to sort of tap into an innocence, I guess, that they have that, you know, we we humans might be, you know, more disillusioned with or not have as much easy access to. You know, it's like they're, they're sort of more childlike in that way and more, you know, um, susceptible to wonder. So uh, a, a fun part of the play was sort of sitting down, though, and going, okay, like, what concepts are they familiar with? Um, uh, like, and are w- w- words that they would use that you know we are familiar with, and what uh, what are things that they have like no idea? So it's like you know I think um, Ling Ling or Candace rather uh, mentions you know I don't even know where Asia is, so she knows what Asia is, but not like you know where it is in location to her tiny little you know glass box or box that she lives in. So it was fun to try and pick out like what would what are things that they would have any concept of versus not. So when Terrence said he never dreamed of meeting anybody, is that kind of in relation to uh, Candace 
not knowing where Asia is. Like, they just kind of live in their own box and they're never really thought about what was outside. Totally, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, how how big is the world to you if the only world you've ever known is, you know, uh, like 30 feet, <laughs> 30 square feet. Which was fascinating to me because I think also during the pandemic, uh, just dealing with quarantine and COVID, right, we also had a whole racial reckoning going on. And so I appreciated how you layered in um, the, I mean, we have two black and white animals, and then you layered in these gradients of mentions of casual racism and like, where are you from, which is often a triggering question that many people were realizing is a triggering question. Um, So you had these, like, I really appreciated how you had these innocent kind of childlike characters, animals, uh, voicing some pretty heavy topics that we were dealing with. Um, But I think a a juxtaposition that both Shannon and I noticed was when Candace says, uh, so you want to fuck? Uh, how, how, will you talk a little bit about that moment? Cause yeah. for me, it was very reflective of people being isolated alone. There was an uptick in dating apps going on, right. That, that where that need for sexuality was coming in. So I'm curious as to, it was a huge tone shift. So yeah. when did that come in for you in, in the show so, and in the script? So I, I don't know, Hear, hearing that question and then like, me saying to myself, oh God, I got to come up with a response to that now. I go like, I think sort of in that trifold of one, um, they are, they are starved, you know, just, we are all starved for human connection. We're all starved for, it's like, we're not even able to hug our loved ones anymore. Um, so I think that, that comes through Two, they're animals. So obviously, you know, they have sex all the time. Right. So it's, uh, you know, what, what's that joke? The birds, the birds are tweeting all day, but what are they saying the entire time? Let's fuck. Uh, I'm horny. Uh, and then three, um, quite honestly, there is, there's not a lot I love more than just a hard left turn in a play that, uh, is then hopefully justified and just like, I love when a play, um, surprises me and takes me somewhere that I never would have thought possible but then like when I think about it you know it's like okay obviously it was gonna go there so I I'm I try and and I try and infuse a lot of you know moments like that in my work because you know if it's it quite honestly it's fun for me to write them and I have to imagine that if they're fun to fun to write hopefully they trans that fun translates to the actors doing it to the people watching it to the directors who you know get the script in their hands um it's just you know a a wildly there's nothing like a wildly out of the blue proposition so talking a little bit about like directors that that get this into their hands could i ask you so for specifically what was your vision for maybe costuming thoughts uh and then staging for this did you have any clear vision so i i'm a big believer in um trying to sort of craft the blueprint and then i i've had one group i think do a, a zoom play of this previously and they you know dressed up in like tuxes and you know did up their hair and to, i think one of them was even wearing our terrence wore a a full-on uh, penguin hat with like ear flaps um which was ridiculously adorable um, 
but I think too you could play it in in any way that you know if it's if it's honest for you and how you're creating it, it's gonna come across. So I I, I did not really have a specific vision other than just sort of like pandas here, penguins here, let the let the chaos begin. Okay, so I saw you had a sequel um, to this story, a field trip, um, a Terrence and Ling Ling adventure. So. When I saw that it was listed as a romantic comedy, it made me wonder, um, how long after writing the first play did you develop it, and what made you decide to go ahead and do another short play instead of just expanding the black, white, and red all over? The First of all, that the inspiration for that one also came from another news article, um, whereas I'm part of... Uh, People in my circles now just send me any penguin article that they uh, find about penguins being in weird places, because, you know. Um, but this one was about how I think penguins literally got taken on a field trip from Run Zoo to, I think it might have been, I don't remember if it was in Cleveland or if it was in Missouri, but it was they got taken to a museum and they walked around and they were actually like looking at the art and sort of you know like contemplating the art they would spend i think the article said they sort of spent the same sort of average amount that humans would do in like walking around looking at one piece walking to another observing that so it came out of that to a degree of terence in a uh, museum would be pretty fun um Ter and then obviously if terence is there Candace has got to be there. Um, so it sort of came out of that and did thinking about them as a buddy comedy instead of, I think, you know, there's a bunch of stories in this world to tell, not necessarily one big one. So I, I wrote it with the idea of, you know, they could have many kinds of adventures. Um, and it came out from that. I think it's a little, personally, I think that one is a little less uh, meditative on the human condition. That one's just a little more, you know, some good old slapstick. But the romantic comedy from that one, I, I can tease that uh, it is not uh, Terrence and Ling Ling, but uh, a new penguin who appears for the first time. Her name is Millie, uh, and we, uh, we meet her in the uh, sequel, I guess. But it takes place, I, uh, probably... A couple months after um, this play, uh, later into the pandemic. So this one's like April. The field trip takes place probably in I think I forget what I said. I think maybe October. So eventually, you could have a whole evening of Terrence and Candace of of just little ten minute plays of their adventures, kind of like a kids or a series or a comic book series. Eventually, it it is an idea um, I am toying with. Or, or playing with we'll we'll see how many wind up emerging over the next couple of years well and in that in that space let's let's talk about overall your process as a playwright so we've heard that you've kind of been inspired by news articles current events especially with these two plays um we both shin and i both appreciated your kind of more light fun take on something that is a covid play uh, but talk to us how you came to playwriting, what your, you know, was this your gateway drug to theater? How did you get involved in theater, playwriting, and, and what, what your process is? Talk about that as a whole. Um, our listeners would love to hear that. So the shortest version of the story is I uh, started out as an actor and still do. Um, I, my first acting brush was in sixth grade when my church choir teacher forced me to be in a play. 
Um, and I was, I was a really shy kid, so it was like theater all of a sudden. When I did it, you know, people were coming up to me afterwards and telling me, good job. I was just like, wait, this makes people talk to me without me having to talk to them first? This is great. Um, but, um, you know, it was sort of the theater bug, you know, hit. And, you know, I've been doing that up until. And I always enjoyed writing stuff and telling stories at the same time, too. But I never sort of thought about it as like a serious part of my career until after college, after I graduated from college. And it was the kind of thing where I get out of college, you know, you get your first job or whatever, and there, there's sort of a period that I think is probably personalized to every artist, but where you sort of realize, oh, this is what the real world is like and this is what the business is actually going to be like and there are dry spells um and so i had a brief moment of revelation where i sort of wanted to try and go to grad school for writing almost on a whim and i didn't wind up going because i eventually realized what i what i think i was trying to do was to sort of get back to the security of academia i eventually realized that all I wanted to do was, you know, just write more. So I tried starting to write more. And um, I've been writing now with the intentions of, you know, being a professional uh, for about four or five years now. I started probably seriously back in like 2017. Um, and in terms of process, I, you know, it's, it's funny that we mentioned you know, this is such a light comedy or I, and I'm getting the sources from news articles because a lot of other things just sort of come from the fact that I'm a huge genre nut. I love absurdism and folklore. I love horror movies and sci-fi, so I'm always trying to put stuff like that in plays one page at a time, honestly. <laughs> well, that's what's so fascinating for our listeners. Um, I think because every playwright we've spoken to does have a different process. And I, I mean, we definitely can hear the absurdism a little bit in the, do you know, do you K-N-O-W or N-O, like, right? Like that's very clear that comes across. Um, but as someone who started as an actor and realized they wanted to write, how did you actually go about doing that and submitting? Do you belong to any playwriting groups? Like, how did you start to formulate, you know, I love that one page at a time that you said. Um, how did you find your group of people, your mentors, your support, um, and how did you come up with that process? So, honestly, a lot of it is, it's twofold, I guess, at least so far for me. Um, I This past year, I've been very fortunate to have sort of found a, a couple groups, uh, playwriting groups, that have really helped not only inspire me, but hold me accountable for things. So I've been doing and I've been making a lot of connections through them, but I also wouldn't have even found them if not for just joining groups on Facebook, um, meeting people, just throwing, starting to submit for stuff. And I gotta plug the fact that the New Play Exchange is probably responsible for me knowing virtually 90% of the playwrights that I know and read <laughs> right now. I mean, it's... It's, it has been a fantastic resource for um, not only meeting other people, but for getting my name out there and for even just having like uh, a space where 
you know, your work exists that is out there that people can find. So, I mean, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing. Also, I, if I could just shout out to the fact that it's, it's probably one of the only things in the world, um, that is not overpriced. Like I think it's 12 to 18 bucks a year. And there's so many subscriptions that are just, you know, more than that. <laughs> so it's, I think the value you get for the amount of money you're actually spending on it is, is, uh, pretty insane. Oh, I was just going to ask, um, what your preference is and what your process, if it's the same or if it's different for whenever you choose to do like a 10 minute play versus a full length play, or do you just kind of let the story unfold and decide that you're happy with it and it ends there? Yeah. Um, you know, in, in terms of, I, I don't think I have a preference over, over full length plays and 10 minute plays. Um, I, in high school, I was, you know, part of my, my, uh, all the, you know, the one act competition. So I was always used to doing stuff like 30 minutes and 40 minutes too. And I think what, what, what matters the most in dictating the length of any story is the scope of the idea. That's interesting. Um, in the sense that I don't, I haven't heard any of our other playwrights say, you know, boil it down the way you just did. What's the idea? The idea is penguin, panda, first meet. I think that's really valuable, especially to someone who is uh, starting out as a playwright, um, right? Sometimes we hear in business, like, what's your elevator pitch? But to me, it sounds like that's um, maybe how you work is very clearly going, okay, like, what's the main component? And for someone else who is primarily an actor, um, I think a lot of times we're trained to go like, okay, what is the objective, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so do you feel like that has um, you're also one of the few playwrights who is still actively performing as an actor. Do you feel like that influences your writing in that way? Yeah, I would definitely say that. Because I think one of the things I set out to do the most is I, I hope that, you know, I write things that are, write roles that are going to be attractive for actors. It's It's one of the nicest compliments in the world when anybody reads something and they go, I want to do that, or I want to. I want to play this person. I want to explore this person because that means I'm doing something right. Which is at the end of the day, I think too is is what's the most exciting thing is uh, is a you know a surprise, you know, a, uh, something that you know sparks joy in a way that you haven't considered before. A, a play that gives you a thought that you you know you've never thought about before. Anything that sort of can lead your brain down a new train of thought is just fun yeah i agree um do you ever write for yourself um do you ever like when you first started were you writing with things um because we often see that you know like even one of the most famous cases that most popular pe uh, people will know is like lin-manuel started writing for himself and for the latinx community like when you first started writing was it to put yourself out there or it was really just a separate joy of writing um Honestly, this the second one. I mean, I've I a lot of my earlier stuff with friends in like high school and college involved sketch comedy. Everything that I've um, have in the works that has a role in it that I'm like, I could do this or like this one's for me is you know I have yet to succeed in finishing it. So it's a, a lot. A lot of it is. Are, are roles that I like that I could play but I've never necessarily thought or like this one's for me or like this is this one's mine it's more just you know what 
what the story brings out. Um, which I I think I've realized that I don't I don't know if I like writing for myself. I like writing for other people <laughs> just because I and, and I and I've never considered this before. I'm I'm making this up as I go along, but I wonder if that is also because as I'm writing it. As, as I write, my uh, partner will tell you that I'm, like, doing all the lines to myself constantly, and, like, I say them out loud so I can hear how it sounds, and it might simply be because if I'm ever writing a role for myself, I I don't need to do it because I already know how I do it, uh, <laughs> so it's, like, it's more exciting to see somebody else uh, do it and see what they would bring to it. I guess the last thing that I had, uh, maybe a talking point, was uh, Candace says... Well, she asks Terrence, do you know where you are metaphorically? And I thought when I, when I heard that, how often we relate to this in different seasons of our lives. And was there a specific um, instance for you that, that kind of made you ask that question? Or did it just be something that you thought was going to be good for the panda and the penguin? <laughs> um I think metaphorically is definitely a big... We're, we're all probably no strangers to a good old existential crisis from time to time. So I threw it in there, you know, to, you know, acknowledge that, that what we're going through, whether it be now or wherever we happen to be in our lives, um, may not be easy. But I think as we were talking about before with what concepts are animals familiar with, the fact that uh, Candace even knows what a metaphor is is as a panda is you know kind of funny probably you know like that's a complex concept you know it's why the fact that so hopefully there's a a joy in that when the she brings it up at the same time so it's not it both cuts deep and is also you know gives us a chuckle at the same time yeah you know she uh also is justifying eating sticks but can ask a deep question that was one of the things i loved about the play is that it goes back and forth of like sticks are great and kind of place to like pandas really need humans help to be alive and yeah. like, to get what they eat and everything and also like no but do you know who you are it's um well i liked the lightheartedness uh, of it it made those deeper questions not feel so harsh in a way like when you sit back and get asked something like that and you don't know the answer um like when Terrence said he never dreamed of meeting anybody like when she asked him that he was just kind of like I don't, I don't know um so I really liked the lightness that the play brought to those tougher questions. Yeah, I think there's a... Because it's, it's totally okay not to know the, the answer to like that. I think, you know, sometimes we get... It, it's easy to feel like we should have an answer for everything or an opinion about everything. But it's, it's okay not to... It's okay to not. <laughs> and it's also nice that it comes in the form of animals because, you know, so many times we find that animals can be our greatest teachers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was lovely. We love to give our playwrights um, a moment to plug themselves. So any oh, kind of social media handles or websites or anywhere anybody can buy plays if they've been published or read your work or keep up with you anything you want to let our listeners know we will turn the floor over to you um so that they can follow you beyond life's up sure um i i can say i, I plugged new play exchange earlier i am on it um so all my plays that i have deemed worthy to be in front of people uh, can be viewed there um right i'll say one thing i guess i've got um 
a group in Minnesota called the Feral Theater Company is taking one of my shows, one of my one acts, to uh, the Minnesota Fringe Festival. Uh, it will be, I think, sometime in August or the month after August, which is September, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't sure for a second. If that's how months are still working, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all, all my days blur together all the time. Um, but it's called For a Limited Time Only, and it is about a couple who are getting the unlimited bread deal at, like, an Olive Garden knockoff. But unfortunately, the unlimited uh, really means unlimited, and they are trapped there forever until they can eat all of the bread. Um, so it's a lovely horror romantic comedy uh, about bread. All right. With that being said, we have three questions. We ask all of our playwrights just a little more of uh, getting to know you on a personal level. Okay. Um, and so, Shannon, do you want to ask the first question? I am sure. Um, what would be one word that brings you joy? Effervescent. Um, you answered that so quickly. You had yeah, that right there. A lot of yeah. people think about it. <laughs> it's uh, I see. I start to think about it, and then I'm like, "Why am I thinking about it? It's always going to be effervescent." So I should just say it. I love it. Um, so we also like to know what is a place that brings you great joy that you really love that is nostalgic or near and dear to your heart. A, a place that is. I don't know if this will sound cheesy, but I visited New Orleans for the first time in fall of 2019, and I just fell in love. It was beautiful. Um, our third and final question is, um, what would be an object that makes you happy? Is there something sentimental for you, or maybe something you created? A chicken parmesan sub. A good chicken farm sub. You can't go wrong. Thank you so much, Daniel. We really appreciate you letting us use your play and yeah. giving us your time. To Thanks talk so much to you. for this having has been me. Been wonderful. Yeah, likewise. Yes, it was nice meeting you. <laughs> yes, nice to meet you too. Do you enjoy a challenge? Is your imagination stuck in overdrive? Is your attention span shorter than a Cubs World Series streak? Do you want your work read on Lights Up? Then consider entering our one-page playwright competition, Propped. Incorporate three of the following props into a one-page play. A mannequin covered with confessions. A decapitated head in a duffel bag. A stage ghost light. Green cheese. An old-fashioned camera. Two telephones. A cloth face mask. And a ring light. Create a one-page play using any of the three items and submit it to lights up at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com If your piece is selected, we will read it at the end of one of our episodes. Now go forth and write. Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga, a 501c3 nonprofit independent theater company located in southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Colagiovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight. And Casey Keelan as the associate producer. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. 
The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or reader, please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast.